Welcome to the Grappling Arts Podcast, where we celebrate the art of professional wrestling, explore wrestling practice, and dig deep into wrestling's rich and varied history. Throughout the series, we will be interviewing leading figures from within independent professional wrestling. Topics will include theatre, sport, storytelling, and performance. If you enjoy the series, please subscribe and leave a review. I am your host, Sam West, co-owner of the independent wrestling promotion, Wrestling Resurgence, which is a theatre-led wrestling company based in the East Midlands. You can also find me at Loughborough University, where I'm a doctoral researcher studying storytelling in professional wrestling. My expert co-host is Resurgence Colour Commentator Claire Warden, who is a senior lecturer in English and Drama, also at Loughborough University. She's also the co-editor of the fantastic Performance and Professional Wrestling book. For more information about the podcast and Wrestling Resurgence, look us up on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the fifth instalment of the Grappling Arts Podcast. Our guest for this week is none other than former Wrestling Resurgence champion, that damn dirty dog, Gene Money. Over the course of this very digestible 90 minutes of conversation, we chat about Gene's run as Resurgence champion and the evolution of the Gene Money character. We also discuss playfulness, humour, comedy, and what it is that makes Money one of the most beloved wrestling characters on the British indie scene today. So if you enjoy, please subscribe, please share, and thank you for listening. Um, yeah, Sam, guide us into yeah, podcasting. Yeah, um, let's, <laughs> let's get cracking. Yeah, sure. maybe, yeah um, given the um, circumstances, maybe this can bring a little bit of joy into some, some wrestling fans. Live. <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks for thanks for agreeing to come on. Actually, well, no, thanks for requesting to come on the podcast and being. I, mean, the first I listened to, to other ones. I listened to other ones. And I thought, hey, let's have a chat. Uh, it's good. It's good to know that one person's listening to them. <laughs> no, it's been um, great. It's been really great. Cool. Which ones did you listen to? I listened to the one with uh, Chev. Uh, that was the one that kind of kicked me off. But... Yeah, yeah, that that was a strong one, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't expect that from this listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always good to lower expectations, isn't it? Before... That's it. That's <laughs> that was three good episodes, and then you start to dip a bit, and that's a yeah. <laughs> casting. Yeah. No, never. Yeah. So um, I want to. I was thinking maybe we could start by having a little bit of a chat about your relationship to resurgence, I guess, because you're um, so you've been such a kind of staple of um, the, all of resurgence, really, um, but particularly last year um, through the, throughout the course of last year. So I was thinking maybe we could have a chat about um, the Loughborough show where you actually won the title and um, start yeah, with, yeah. and then start with that, and then we'll sort of track back a little bit through your uh, through your kind of wrestling biography and. Uh, Talk about some of the things that make Gene Money Gene Money. Um, sure, absolutely. So, yeah, do you do you want to talk us through that? What it, what it was like? Um, so, f- for people that aren't familiar with the kind of resurgence story arcs and things like that, uh, the show was yeah, in Loughborough so, in June. So. Yeah, so I was um, I, uh, Gene Money. I uh, I just uh, come off a, a big win, uh, and I'd, I'd gone into a title match with. Jack Sexsmith, um, 
and that had led into a screwy finish. Uh, it was supposed to be me v Sexsmith for the championship, uh, but obviously he blew his knee out. Um, and yeah, so it was me versus insert competitor here uh, for the championship. Um, it was Spike, who I've never actually worked Spike one-on-one -on -one before until this moment. Uh, and if I have, I'm completely forgetting about it. Uh, but this was like, I was really excited for it because we're two people with like very eager minds when it comes to wrestling and things along those lines. But I've never been in this situation before. And, you know, I'm going to break all of the, the kayfabes and stuff like that right now. But I walked in to that building not knowing who was going to win that match. And when I was chatting with you guys, you guys didn't know who was winning that match. And Spike didn't know who was winning that match. So I actually walked into that match assuming it was just going to get called by a referee at some point. Oh, this has changed. Oh, this has changed. I didn't have a clue. Um, yeah. yeah and so, well, that was it. Like, um, it, it kind of made it, you know, I feel a bit more real to me because I, I never won a singles championship in wrestling uh, before that moment. I think I'd won a tag belt on a company that got shut down the day I won it. So... <laughs> um but yeah like it was a big big moment for me i was i was really excited um just to have that match in the main event uh well it'd be my second main event for resurgence and i think early 2019 was kind of the start of my like of me getting any sort of notice by anyone um and so that was kind of like that culminating moment where it felt like that was the uh I was pulling the trigger on Gene Money a bit, and you know I'm I'm forever in debt to Resurgence for that. Um, you know I, I I hate to break his uh, mean guy image, but Spike was one of the people who said maybe this should be the Gene Money Championship. Um, mm -hmm. Like there was a huge discussion about what was actually going to happen, and yeah, winning that championship match against Spike uh, culminating. My storyline of never being able to get like that big one against Sexsmith and his storyline of constantly pissing off Kara. It was kind of like, it was a really beautiful moment and like the crowd were on their feet at the end uh, when obviously Kara, the lights went out and he was in the ring after he'd screwed me out and tried to beat me with a belt shot. And it was, um, oh, my, my dinner is beeping behind me. I'll finish off this sentence. Um <laughs> And yeah, it was it was it was really fun. Uh, I'm one of these people. I don't have that much. You wouldn't think it by the way I wrestle, but I don't have that much regard for my body. I remember being in that match and just saying, uh, just saying to Spike backstage, right? I'm gonna let's not have the bell ring. You know, we'll keep scrapping and everything like this, but I'm gonna just dive out of the ring at you. But because the bell hasn't rung twat me with a chair in midair. Uh, I thought it was a great spot. And in my head, I thought it was a great spot until I, until I left the ring and I was midair and I was diving out. And then my brain just went, well, if you're blocking the chair shot with your hands, what are you breaking your fall with? And at that <laughs> moment, it was my head. Um, yeah. And so uh, it was fun. Actually, no. I completely forgot. I had a terrifying moment at the start of that match. Spike jumps me right at the start. And I don't know what it was. Like, 
I felt like I lost all feeling in my legs at the start. I don't think I told any of you guys this no. at the time. I mean, I told I told the medics and that stuff at the end, but um, I just couldn't move my leg properly. It wasn't working after it hit me and I went down. And I was like, oh, no, this is the worst time for all of this. Um, and then it just turned out I'd got my knee pad stuck in part of the stage. Um, and I just pulled it out and that was it. I thought I couldn't move my leg, but it was just trapped. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was it was just a real good time in there to get, again, Spike's one of these people who thinks differently to a lot of wrestlers. He's got a, you know, again, I don't want to break any of the mold too much, but he is, he's got an acting background and you can really see that creative performer in him when you're in a ring with him and... I'd, I'd, I'd relish the opportunity to do something like that again. Mm. Yeah, I think there's some really interesting in, interesting things there. Character, and then also the kind of storytelling process that, that went into that through resurgence, that not necessarily knowing who was going to win and what the outcome was going to be on the night. People tend to like look at wrestling booking and fans will kind of uphold things like long-term storytelling. It's, sure. it's quite highly praised, this idea of long-term storytelling. I don't think what people realise, especially with the indies, is how much of that story is sort of uh, ch chopped and changed as it goes along because of the different circumstances. And there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of spontaneity, isn't there? Right. Agreed. And I think with British wrestling, because we don't have the luxury of like televised wrestling, where what Resurgence at the time was having a show every other month, um, you've got to squeeze that storytelling into your match. Like me and Sexsmith told a good story in our match and it was supposed to be the culmination of that, but obviously that got changed. So you've kind of got to create a story on the fly with someone new. Um, and storytelling is what I love. Like I, I don't think the best matches in the world are the ones that have got the coolest moves and the biggest kickouts. To me, my favorite wrestling matches are the ones that have told that story so that you actually buy into something so that when that one big moment happens, it means a lot more. Um, yeah, yeah, there's something about that's like spontaneous storytelling as well. Like, that's really exciting. I think it sounds right. Like, you know, it's, wrestling's often praised as, as being kind of long form storytelling, which of course it is, and it works really, really well for that. But um, I have to say, some of the kind of highlight moments of me from Resurgence, but also I think just like from wrestling, are uh, those kind of quite, or what they feel like quite spontaneous moments, like a little turn or like a little. They went in a slightly different direction or something. It has a kind of energy to it, I think, when things are maybe it's just like in, in my head this is existing, but <laughs> I always feel like there's a real energy to it when, like, you know, when we have a kind of meeting before a resurgent show and, um, and, there's a kind of discussion with the wrestlers and with everyone about like, well, what's, what's happening tonight? Do you think with this match, uh, which I, I find that super exciting. Like it has a, yeah, a real kind of energy about it, which is cool. And I don't disagree with that, but I, um, I'm sure some other people would. And that's what I love about wrestling is that it can, the storytelling and the energy may be different to different people. Now, one of the things I really, um, the one thing I've really liked about uh, wrestling resurgence yet at the same time, I've, it's caused a bit of friction is the fact that the people who book resurgence aren't wrestlers and they haven't been wrestlers and it it also it brings in a, a fresh take which is really nice like I wouldn't have booked me as a champion basically but like 
because wrestlers are known to fall into tropes and things like that. And no matter how revolutionary a wrestling company can be, it's still wrestler A V, wrestler B trying to get the win most of the time. But with so many, you know, fresh faces to the wrestling scene with wrestling resurgence, they are doing fresh things. Oh, sorry, my dog's watching in the back. Um, uh, yeah, it's one of these things where it's it's quite fresh and quite, you know, I'll be back in a second. All good. Come here. You woof him. Right? You woof him. Is it fireworks? Knock it off. Come on. This is podcast gold. This is. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, bonfire bon night around the corner and a, a loud oh, dog yeah, is course. not a good combo. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really nice to get those fresh ideas and you're getting booked into things that you wouldn't expect to be booked in because you know the tropes and you guys weren't following the tropes because, um, you know... Mm you hadn't been booked in these situations before. Sometimes that meant maybe it didn't make as much sense to some of the wrestlers. I know uh, some of the plans that were discussed when I did win the Resurgence Championship may not have been uh, as, uh, you know, whatever as they were kind of thing. I remember there was an idea against me versus all of Sanitarium at one bit. There was uh, different ideas planned at different areas, but it was one of those. Um, it's one of those things where it helps because you've got that freshness, but you also are a really good place for wrestlers to work. So you could have honest and frank discussions with your performers and find out what would make sense, not just storyline wise, but for their character wise as well. There has been so many times as Gene Money, I get booked into things that frankly Gene Money wouldn't do. And when you're trying to build your own brands, when you, I'm trying to build my brand as Gene Money, it's as simple as that. And through my storytelling or through my wrestling or whatever, I simply say to promoters, here is my brand, pay me to use it, please. And often they will, they will do what they want with it. Whether it improves my brand or not, that is up to them. I am trusting the promotion with my brand. Oh, so, but so fortunately what... with you guys, sorry, go ahead. One of the things that, um, if we start to kind of um, look back then to, on your kind of career and the development of the G Money character, and also that you know that spontaneity in storytelling, how important is it as an independent wrestler to to create your own stories, to create opportunities for yourself within companies, and you know how conscious are you in terms of choosing companies to work with? Because you're actually thinking back, you were I think the first wrestler that approached us that we hadn't seen live ourselves that we put. Okay. It was on the strength of your, because you essentially, you, you told us about the Gene Money character and Gene Money would be great for resurgence. And yeah, so I wonder, so yeah, if me, you just talk into that bit. Yeah, for me, it was the case of, um, I didn't used to be picky with wrestling bookings at all. I would go for whoever would book me. Um, I'm not someone who cares about winning or losing or anything along those lines because I feel that, frankly, I feel there is more money in Gene Money in the chase, um, him pursuing something than some, something him actually achieving. Um, I think I can get more entertainment value out of a loss than a win sometimes. Uh, but it, it, for me, it's... I didn't take my brand seriously until last year. Again, 2019 was that kind of year for me. Um, maybe like April onwards. Um 
I didn't know what gene money was. And it's very hard to protect a brand if you don't actually know what it is. So I kind of developed that over the last year or so. Um, and it was the case of promoters. If promoters want to bring me in for a single match, that's absolutely fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good for that. I, I, my aim is to not wrestle that. I'm not wrestling for that match. I'm wrestling for the match after it. I'm trying to get myself return bookings. I'm trying to get myself a bit of brand retention there, but it's, um, when you're just getting booked for single matches, it's fine. But when you try and get booked for storylines and things like that, it's tough because you say, Oh, can you do this? And at start when you're an absolute no one, it's very difficult to say, I really wouldn't do that. Um, I don't care if I win, I don't care if I lose, but I wouldn't do that in particular. Mm -hmm. um, uh, sometimes you have that discussion and sometimes, you know, some promoters have egos and they want things their way. And at the end of the day, they're the people who are paying for it. So what right do I have? But at the same time, I'm looking out for me and my future uh, as Gene Money. And I know I'm fortunately... <laughs> very fortunate to have an interchangeable brand i've been the Mundertaker. i'm a detective at attack pro wrestling uh, i was a ghostbuster at riptide and a genie at riptide last year um uh i've been a clown i've been eugene munn i'm a member of the anti-fun police like i've been fortunate last year alone to have eight different gimmicks um all of them are me and in my actions, the way I speak, the way I move, all of it is still me and I'm still doing gene money things regardless of what clothes I'm wearing. One, so one of the things we started to talk about on the last episode with Debbie Keitel was this idea of um, a character, a character in a movie. So uh, companies like Resurgence thinking about, you know, casting characters in roles. And what, what do you think about, what do you think it is about gene money? Because I see Gene Money as one of these type of characters where you can quite, as a promoter, you can look at Gene Money and go, wow, there's so many different possibilities with a, with a character like that. So, like, what do you think, where does the Gene Money come, character come from? And what do you think makes it so, I don't know, appealing in that way in terms of storytelling? I think from the outside looking in, it's very difficult to see what makes Gene Money appealing. Like, he's a, a portly lad who looks like he's fallen out of a fancy dress closet. And it's just what does he bring to the table? And I completely understand that. Um, I can understand why people don't get gene money. I'm because I understand exactly what you mean about casting. And that's why I look at, that's how I look at all of wrestling. It's like, um, I'm not an actor and, and I never have been, but it's the case of WWE have only got certain amount of leading roles and that's okay. Um, sometimes you wish maybe they'd kill a character off sometimes, which happens in TV, but they won't because, you know, they understand what's got money and things like that. But there's only certain roles for leading, you know, it's only certain space for leading characters. You can get all different storylines over there and things like that. And I think with Gene Money is that he stands out movement wise, physicality wise, looks wise so much that he can really fit into anywhere on a card and appear different. I think he's marked, I say he, I have marked Gene Money to be, uh, you know, to be able to be fit anywhere on a card, win or loss, and I can still make an impact. Um, 
I'm very fortunate that you guys gave me that main event spot and I'm very thankful for that. But it's, um, yeah, I see, I see why people don't get me because the only people who seem to get me are the people who have watched me in a match or people who have wrestled me. Mm. I am much like most physical comedy. I am not about the wrestling. I am about the reaction to the wrestling. That's where my entertainment comes in. It's not the doing stuff. It's how I react to the stuff. That's where all my comedy comes from. I don't go out there to try and make people laugh through an action. I try to make them laugh or cheer based on my reaction to said action. Um, and I think that's where I differ from a number of performers. Uh, I'm not saying I do it great. I still need a lot to work on. Um, but I, I like being a bit of a wrestling anomaly. I like taking things that people aren't doing um, and turning it into something a bit more marketable. The nipple tape was literally, um, it was a, a six-man tag match at Good Wrestling. It was me, Chris Brooks, and Millie McKenzie versus Wild Boar, Mike Bird, and Big Grizzly. And I was putting my tape on, and I just, as a joke, put it across my nipples. And I looked in the mirror and thought, no, I'm going to do that. I'm absolutely going to do that. My original wrestling coat, the gold one with the fur, that was just made from bits I had in my wardrobe. And I just stitched it together, and there it was. It was an, you know, it was an outfit. Um, uh, I looked at my dog and he was covered in dog shit or fox shit and I called him a damn dirty dog and I thought that is a really good nickname and then I thought huh no one's really doing any I mean I don't do an animal gimmick I just go by animal name and I wear you know dog paraphernalia let's call it but um, I thought no one else is kind of doing that no one's giving themselves that kind of moniker uh, why not uh, you got Lycos as a wolf. Other than that, uh, there was nothing. And so I thought, well, let's just let's just do that. Let's 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 be the damn dirty dog. Let's get a fur coat. Let's get a dog collar. Why do I have a captain's hat? Still not sure, but it's there. Um, <laughs> I love that. You know I love what? that like creativity. That sense of like um, kind of spontaneous creativity. That um, so I think often you feel like wrestlers are, are kind of in their in their gimmicks are very, I put kind of, well, I'm going to say a lot of thought into it. I'm not suggesting you've not put a lot of thought into it, but like kind of very, very deliberate in their gimmick and everything is really deliberate. Whereas the Gene Money character, one of its most endearing facets for me is kind of the way that it's not deliberate in that way. That like kind of, it's slightly anarchic, slightly kind of chaotic, kind of creative. And I think that's why it doesn't fit into the sentence. Yeah. You are hundred percent correct. Every time I try to deeply think, every time I try to try to clear my head and think, what can I do? When I design anything for June Money, like I'm trying to be design a coat and I mean, I've designed my new gear and things like that. But when I try actively to think, what would Gene Money do here? I can't do it. I think it's because I'm too precious with who Gene is and things like that. And I think, oh, if I do this, maybe people will think that. Oh, if I'm too physical, maybe I'm not funny enough. Or I've got this idea for a move. Would Gene do that, this, that, and the other? most things come to me on the fly and if they work they work if they don't they don't and i've been fortunate enough that i've got a lot of new bits that i've picked up that have worked because i've stumbled upon them rather than i've actually thought about them and i think that kind of sums me up as a human being outside of wrestling i am like i'm i am to say 
I'm a relatively educated man. I'm a bumbling idiot. I I fall from life moment to life moment. Um, I try to prepare myself for absolutely everything, but there's so much that's happened in my life that has been unpreparable for that, like, uh, it's, I just, again, I just bumble about and things seem to happen to me. And I think that's a really good way to describe G Money. Things just yeah. seem to happen to him. Um, well, yeah. Do you, do you have any kind of, um, just get it delving a little bit more into your background, do you have a kind of performance background outside of wrestling? You seem like a very uh, natural I used to, performer. I'd, I'd say uh, as a child, I was a big old drama queen. Uh, not in drama at all, but just I've always had that kind of showmanship about me. Um, I was in musical theatre when I was a teenager, really enjoyed it. Uh, but it never led to anything um, because at the time, and still partially now, I had a natural flamboyancy for things like that, but I could not be asked to do anything about it. Um, and that was me in wrestling for like the first however many years of my career until... Like, I've, I've said it before, I got to a very bleak moment in my life. I got to times where I was walking, taking long walks down roads I shouldn't be. Um, and it came to that point where I was like, you really love wrestling. So how about you consider doing something you enjoy with your life rather than being in a place you don't want to live and not doing what you're enjoying? So I put all of my time and my effort into wrestling. Um, I went part-time with my job. I sacked off my own business and I just focused on it. And it turns out when you apply yourself to something, you do really well in it. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, may, may, maybe I would have gone into, you know, into musical theatre a bit more if I could be asked as a kid. And it does suck that I didn't get my mojo into wrestling until I was almost 30. And that's, <laughs> that, that hurts. But um, it is what it is. And, you know, you... Again, you fall from you fall from opportunity to opportunity, and you just work hard in between that. In um, so sort of drawing on a few of those those things that you've mentioned, and you, and something that you said earlier about um, some people not getting gene money. Um, I, I wonder. So for me, gene money kind of feels like a wrestler that that works at this very moment. Like he feels, yes, he's a kind of a throwback in a way, but something very very contemporary about him and i think his appeal is something that kind of could only work in this moment of wrestling so the the success that you've had with resurgence with good with schadenfreude and friends attack it feels like without those type of companies i'm, I'm not sure where gene would kind of fit necessarily in the scene not that you not that he doesn't work in other companies but it just feels like some of those companies are so perfect for gene and the and the audience are kind of the audience for Gene in a way. Does that, I don't wonder whether any of that sort of sits with you. And so for me, I didn't get kind of any exposure in that until I started working for good. Uh, I only got the one booking, didn't expect anything else. Uh, I had a singles match. I opened a match. I, I was garish. That's when I didn't really know what Gene money was. I was, you know, uh, I think I won with a, uh, a reversal of a crossbody, like something I probably wouldn't do these days. But it was, um, I was a villain. Um, and I think being a villain at good wrestling when they were just a small little promotion, and uh, 
that he gave me opportunities to dick about. Um, I got to work with the likes of Chris Brooks early on in the Gene Money kind of gimmick. Uh, I worked with Biz Gr Big Grizzly a lot, Eddie Dennis at Good. I was always the villain and I always got mic time and it gave me the ability to see what got reactions. And it turns out most of my reactions was comedy. I'd get booed, I'd get hated. I had that kind of funny edge to me. And that worked. That really worked for turning Gene Money into a good guy because he, he was garish enough that, you know, people don't take him seriously enough. I you know, back it up in the ring, this, that, and the other. I'd usually cheat. But it was, um, you kind of get that kind of, this is what people don't like. So you can automatically work out what people will like and still gain those kind of reactions. So with the more adult crowns like Good and Attack, like you mentioned, and Schadenfreude and Friends, um, I mean, you could. I watched my first Schadenfreude and Friends match, the Banda match, and it was. I'm a completely different performer now to what I was then because I was still in my head about what Gene Money was or wasn't. Um, and yeah, I think you get more confident about that the more times you do stupid things, but. I think, as I mentioned before, I did eight gimmicks last year. You automatically don't know what you're getting with me. It feels like Gene Money is the ribbons coming out of the magician's sleeve. You don't know when it's going to end. Uh, I've got a, a thousand ideas in my head that I've yet to use, kind of thing. And it, I think it brings a certain you know, excitement of you not sure what's going to happen. It is that kind of explosive, accidental nature of the character. Um, the fact that he's bumbling is quite endearing. Um, he is, he's a, he's a tryhard at the end of the day. He's got the kind of similar vibes to Orange Cassidy, but whereas Orange Cassidy doesn't try, that's all Gene wants to do. Gene just wants to do a good job and he fucks it up a lot. And I think that's so human. I was listening to an interview with Sasha Banks recently and she said she was the best. And automatically, I don't like her because if she's the best, what is the point cheering for her? Because she's always going to win. That's why I've never been able to um, associate to the mega good guys in wrestling, the supermen of wrestling, like the John Cena era, the Roman Reigns era, Charlotte Flair and things like that. Because at least with Triple H, when he had his reign of terror, he was a villain and he could cheat people out of it because he wasn't the best. Whereas if you've got a character who is the best constantly, why should I care? because they're going to win and I'm never going to believe that they're in peril. But with Gene Money, you've got that. He's constantly in peril because he's a fucking idiot. Mm. Um, and I do think that is, you know, it is human and it is endearing because as wild as Gene Money is, he, you know, he's relatable. And mm. I think that is probably one of the most marketable things about him. That. And you always, I think, with Gene, one of the things that kind of struck me just sort of re-watching some of the matches you sent through and things like that is that, like, Gene does have that kind of bumbling fool feeling about him. But at the same time, like, he'll suddenly kind of do something. You think, oh, my goodness, he's, he's, like, wrestling. He's, like, properly wrestling. And so I think there's, like, always that... Like that, it, that kind of always kind of creeps out for me in the G Money character. Like suddenly there'll be some, and you'll think, man, he's on the top rope about to do something like incredibly athletic. And, and I think that in, in essence, that has a, that, that brings another side to this character in some way. Yes, the bumbling fool, but actually also really good wrestler. And so actually there is that little potential 
moment to think, oh, you might actually beat this guy who is taller or like more athletic or whatever it might be than you because of kind of heart, but also because you've got this this moment where you could just turn it and do something kind of quite, quite quite a strong move against someone so there's always that sort of potential as well so that's why I feel like cheering for you because I don't feel like you're a lost cause right the way through your matches I think that's probably true for a lot of people in the resurgence crowd we're not like oh poor Jean you're like yeah okay Jean is this kind of like like silly comedic character but man like he can come back and totally hit you with something so you keep cheering for him thinking that's Mm going to come and that was that's my biggest positive and negative in this industry I believe because I for the However long I've been doing this, before I put my heart and soul into actually doing this, I have pigeonholed myself as, why should anyone care about this guy? He's just a comedy guy. No one should take him seriously. And right now, that still hinders me a lot because people who don't watch me wrestle, people who just know the name, people who may have just seen a gif of me getting my ass out don't get that. And so I'm, I will always be pigeonholed as this underdog. Um, but it works in my favor because now for me, a five-star match doesn't have to be me doing everything under the sun. It's just doing a couple of bits here and there that people don't expect. And the fact is I have been training. I still train as a professional wrestler. I have been doing this for almost a decade, which may surprise people, but it's like, I still train. I'm still a very good professional wrestler at the end of the day. I don't, I know I'm just seen as a comedy guy, but that's because that's how I've decided to pigeonhole myself. And the past two years of me and me just trying to prove I am more than that, not just as Gene, but as me as a person outside of the ring as well. And yes, I'm annoyed with myself that I've not given it all before these moments. Um, And yes, I still get seen a lot of people uh, by a lot of people as just a comedy guy, but that really works in my favor sometimes as well because I've automatically got the underdog thing for me, which is great. But this was one of the things that um, it's one of the things that not bothered me at resurgence, but when, when I had the championship, I defeated Gabriel kids, a kind of a one-off show in Sheffield. I defeated Chris Brooks. I defeated rampage Brown. And yet I was still seen as the underdog and that shouldn't make sense. I have the championship. Technically, I am, you know, by definition of being the champion, I am the best resurgent has to offer. I have beat some of the best in the country, and yet people still doubted me. That's my own fault for what I've been doing for the last decade. And I need to change that. I need to be seen as a force. At the same time, I know how valuable it is as a performer to be fighting upwards rather than fighting down, especially when you're a babyface, a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that match um, that you sent through, the, the one where you, you were fighting against Chris Brooks, that the, my, my abiding memory of that match um, was like, I mean, that's, this is going to sound like a weird sentence. I might I'd almost check myself then, but like, was your chest. <laughs> yes. um, so like, because I remember you coming off and, and, and seeing you afterwards and being like, oh my goodness, like I don't think I've ever seen you know, you, you talk about it's like not being wrestlers and you're absolutely right. Like, and, and I, we actually had this conversation with Mike Bird in the first um, podcast where we talked about kind of the chops and what's the point of chops. And um, 
and and this was another moment which kind of I was like oh yeah of course because it's about how much punishment you can take and still stand and still carry on and still push forward and like that is that's remained kind of etched on my brain after that match just like super red raw you can see it in the match but it just looked horrendous on the night and and like that Gene Money is there to take and will take a beating and yet still come out on top because he's you know he can he, he can still come back and he tells that that's a really excellent story in that match I think uh, the thing with chops I mean Chris says I, my chest has good acoustics. You know, he's got long hands and apparently the noise off my chest is great. I, I don't think that's a good enough excuse to make me bleed, but here we are. He's in Japan winning championships. I'm uh, here. Um, it, for me, yeah, chops, chops are... Uh, uh, like I, Chops are good when they're needed and often wasted. Uh, for me, a chop in a story is like I don't believe in strong style. Sometimes I don't believe in um, I don't believe in trade offs as well. Sometimes, like you hit me, and then I'll be like, "Come on, you take a shot at me." Because if this is wrestling and we want to win a match, just punch the guy in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, chops are one of these things that they do take the breath out of you, and they do. Ding. Like if anyone's had sunburn and someone slapped you, it's like that, but like five times. And you're never gonna win a match with a chop unless you're Walter. But like you're never <laughs> gonna win a match with uh, a match with a chop. But wrestling's also about the reactions and the reactions people gave at my chest. You know, it was worth all that pain. And yes, my chest was bleeding. And yes, Joey Janela opened up all of those wounds three days later, and there was blood everywhere. But a bit of Savlon fixes that, and it's. I'm not going to hurt my back. I'm not going to hurt my neck with the chop. They're very safe. They make some noise. They sting, but it automatically shows that physical dissection of someone in a match. And as soon as you actually get that that red, that cut of the chop on your chest, it actually brings about physical pain because there are a lot of things in wrestling that, let's face it, look rubbish. And people go, that doesn't look like it's hurt. But when you can see the physical impact of something, it brings a whole new dimension to wrestling. You know, this isn't just two actors going through a fight scene. This is this is real. That is my skin that is being flayed by a palm. Like it's it, it, it brings about that sense of realism. And yes, you're never going to win a match with a chop. Yes, that's never going to actually finish someone. And yet. It is the one thing in the match that is showing physical pain to the audience without my body or face having to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sucked. They were really smelly chops. Yeah. And I, the... yeah, I love that. Sorry, go ahead, Sam. No, I was just going to to stay on that match because it kind of felt like it was a pivotal night in many, for, for many reasons for resurgence. Um, but it was also in part because of the, I think the GD Money character really kind of came into its own in Resurgence at that point, because you were, it was the first match at Resurgence since you'd won the title. Sure. The title with the title win we've already discussed, you know, was a kind of um, a moment that I don't think everyone in the audience was expecting. It was definitely a yes. kind of shock factor. Um, I, I remember being on the balcony and um, Gabriel King sat in front of me where I was at the tech position. And he just jumped out of his out of his chair when he won, took his shirt <laughs> off, and started swinging his shirt <laughs> around his head, like. And that was everyone because no one knew who was going to win on the balcony, and Claire on commentary didn't know who was going to win. 
I don't think there's that many people. We didn't know who was going to win. <laughs> we thought it was well, going to get changed the fly. When you rewatch it, there's some great clips of the audience going, and then standing up, like, there's that sort of yeah. pause of, like, has he actually just done it? And yeah. But then when you came back to the to Attenborough Centre, obviously you know, very small, intimate venue, but the kind of home of researchers. Mm. I remember seeing, you know, Gene Money, I think it was the night that you had the flags, maybe. Uh, there were Gene Money flags. There were people wearing yeah. sailors, ha- the, the hats, I think he was selling still at that point. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think the flags would have been there. But uh, I remember hats. Yeah, I, I, I had my hats, and I had a few other bits and bobs. Yeah. No, it was the. Um, was it the ready, steady, cook signs? The, <laughs> yeah, the, I had my <laughs> red, red, uh, red, red tomato and green, green peppers. peppers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. And, uh, it, and the I, other I thing like... I. Sorry, the other thing I remember as well, which is kind of what I'm what I'm trying to get to, is that there was a. There was that moment when you when you came back to Resurgence, the first show back as the champion, where I, you could see Gene Money fans and particularly like younger fans. So I remember there was quite a few images of a, a family that come to all of the Resurgence shows and two two kids who were probably maybe seven or eight, both with Gene Money sh- uh, T-shirts. And there was, there was a picture of you with them, with the championship, and they were both wearing Gene Money T-shirts. So I wonder, like, if you could talk a little bit into that, like being popular, having say younger fans in particular resurgence looking up to you because it felt like you were the kind of face of the company at that point and and a worthy champion if you know what I mean. it's nice i mean outside of wrestling i'm quite a insecure person and i don't see myself as a hero or anything like that so when i'm gene it's really quite um it's really quite nice to have people looking up to this bumbling oaf who's seeming to achieve things um my goal when I wrestled on mainly family shows is I wrestle to entertain. I wrestle for the dads in the crowd, frankly, because the kids are going to enjoy wrestling because it's wrestling. The mums are, you know, I'm going to be very uh, gender normative here and I apologize, uh, but uh, the mums are happy that the kids are being are happy. A lot of the dads, because it's on Saturday afternoons at like family after shows, probably would be happier watching the football they're there with the kids and they don't like wrestling and they know it's fake and they're like that doesn't hurt that doesn't hurt but if you can if you can entertain the dads then they're more likely to come back they're more likely to buy tickets and more importantly for me Mm. they're happier for their kids to buy my merch because i've entertained them uh and that's kind of the family element i go to of course i'm gonna wrestle for kids when there are kids there um you say something funny that's not you know, too niche or but not not rude or anything like that. And you know, I get hit in the back and I'll go, ah, it's my favourite spine. Um, and the kids laugh at that because they'll go, oh, and then they'll go, oh, he's only got one spine. That's why it's his favourite one. And you know, daft stuff that I do in my match. That you know, I, Gene is a big kid, and so I think he's having fun, and people can see him having fun. Not when Chris Brooks is chopping the hell out of him. The rest of the time, he's having fun. At the start of the match, he's smiling. He's getting people into it. And you can see Gene Money's having a good time because, frankly, I'm having the time of my life. It doesn't matter what match I'm in. I'm having a great time as a human being because this is what I love doing. And I think kids can see someone smile, someone who's not super serious from the get-go. There's a reason you're not seeing kids at UFC fights. It's like I'm going in there with a smile on my face, genuinely wanting to lock up with someone and have a good time and 
you know, happiness builds happiness around people. And mm. I, I think the fact is because Gene is this bumbling idiot, he also seems harmless. And so he's a guy who can beat someone up and also be non-threatening. Mm. He's a, uh, yeah, he's just, he's just a tryhard. I think that's a good thing to look up to. I think if I was a kid, I'd look up to someone like Gene, like, oh, this fat lad can achieve his dreams. I can do anything. Um, I think there's also something of like the, the children's TV presenter about Gene a little bit. Like, oh, you know, that 100%. sort of like lots of colors and, and talking like in kind of, you know, a fun kind of chatty comedic sort of a way. Like it kind of, I, I often think kind of, I think you'd be really good on CBBS. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but like you'd be, you'd be so good. You should like just tell stories to small people. I think they'd love it. So I mean, just look at any kid or baby toy. All it is is colours and noise, and that's all yeah. Gene is. I think there's a, there's actually something um, that this kind of leads into to another thing that I was interested in is um, is comedy, but also like, do you have kind of comedy influences? And I'm also thinking of that kind of ch- quite childish, but also childish but good comedy so what would be a good example so like Vic and Bob like I remember watching Shooting Stars when I was yeah. 10 11 like and Gene really there's something very British about Gene and fitting into that sort of comedy style that sort of surreal very physical kind of slapstick comedy is that yeah, like I, something that you think about a lot or yeah I'm a huge uh huge fan of Vic and Bob back from you know Vic Reeves uh, like out, you know, shooting stars to House of Fools to like I have to even Bob Mortimer's podcast up like Gomez. I love the zaniness, the characters, the fact that they're getting reactions out of stupid things just due to the delivery of them. Um, and yeah, just being able to hear that laugh from something so simple or something so stupid, it doesn't matter if it doesn't. 100% makes sense. It doesn't matter if it's a non sequitur. If it's delivered with such kind of uh, emphasis or stupidity, people laugh. Um, I remember wrestling Martina uh, up in Discovery uh, in Edinburgh. And we had this whole dick about match. Um, we ended up fighting to the backstage and then coming out in each other's gear when we came fighting back into the ring. Um <laughs> Like, there was a lot of stupid things. So at the start of the match, I said that I have been to the future. I've seen exactly how this match ends. I've been doing some Darren Brown stuff. I know exactly how this match ends. I'm going to write it on this piece of paper. And I'm going to put it in this envelope. And I want all of you, I'm that confident that this is how I'm going to win. I want all of you to keep your eyes on this piece of paper. Anyway, I hit her with a big lariat at the end of the match. One, two, she kicks out. I G up another one. No, point to the piece of paper, get to the envelope. I pass it to someone in the crowd. I get the uh, announcer to go down and put the microphone next to him. I'm geeing up this lariat. I say, read it, read it, tell everyone. And uh, this guy in the crowd says, Gene Money gets distracted by the audience and takes a DDT from Martina. I'm like, well, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Turn around, DDT, one, two, three. Stupid, stupid moment. (laughs) And I remember, I remember Jordan Devlin was backstage. Uh, he's just had an incredible match because he's an incredible athlete. And I said, Jordan, do you have any feedback for that? And he was like, 
I don't really like comedy. Uh, you know, it was funny <laughs> and things like that. But he said, you should always look as if you are trying to win a match, even when you're doing comedy. And so I did take that on board quite a lot. So every time I do comedy now, I try to do it in the same way that uh, a, a Mike Tyson, you know, a, a, a Prince Azeem, uh, Muhammad Ali, um, like they took their time and they could showboat a lot because they were so good. Um, and when you think about it in that area, like Gene Money can dick about because he's got the self-confidence in him, but he believes he can get the job done and he can still have a good time in the process. He is willing to enjoy himself because he's that confident or maybe arrogant that he believes he can still win the match. And then when I told this theory to Chris Brooks, he said, no, nah, just do stuff. And it changed my mind again. And now it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense sometimes. It doesn't matter if people are reacting, then who cares? So that's my version on comedy wrestling. It's like, so long as I'm getting that reaction, if it's if it's the reaction I'm looking for at least, then brilliant. Um, I'm doing my job right. And I again, I don't want to be seen as a comedy wrestler. I just want to be seen as a wrestler who happens to be funny. Uh, people like Trent Seven have pulled that off. Like Trent Seven has mm. won world championships in different promotions. He is seen as a very good wrestler. But at the same time, he doesn't need to be that you know main event wrestler every single night because his, his character can carry him. And that's where I want to be with Gene. I want Gene to be a world championship wrestler, you know, worthy wrestler. But his character can carry him if he's not in the championship picture. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that Chris Brooks gave you the reprieve on that one because I, I was thinking that in my head. I was like, I'm not sure I agree with Jordan Devlin on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm grateful for, for Chris for, for bringing that up. How um. One of the things that strikes me when you're talking is um, the joy of your of your own of, of amusing yourself in performance, and this is again <laughs> maybe another connection with Vic. With one of the things I love about Vic Reeves is that it's always like he's he's saying something that he finds funny. Like it's not a joke for the audience. He's just amusing himself. Yes. And there's a little bit of that kind of playfulness, I think, in in the Gene character. Maybe is that is that something that you think? I am someone who will just think of things. I am someone who will just think of things at home and laugh to myself because it's amused me. Uh, like that kind of comedy is my life force, really. Uh, my wife will come downstairs and I'm singing a comedy song I've just made up to the cat. Like I, I don't. There's no off switch on me. I will just come up with really bad jokes. I will do really stupid things because. I need to keep myself amused. I am a child like that. I I need this constant giggle. And yeah, I it's gonna sound really ego, but I can watch one of my matches back and go, <laughs> that was really funny. Um and I'm proud I mean, I am proud about that. That the fact I can make myself laugh. And sometimes I don't care if the audience haven't got it. I think if I do it with conviction and I can show that I'm enjoying it. People are going to laugh along. And it is that kind of Vickery's Bob Morton thing. Uh, on Bob's podcast, like, he will say something that maybe won't be that funny, but the fact is he will laugh so much at trying to get a sentence out that I am already giggling at the fact that he's saying something that he thinks is so funny that one of my comedy icons can't stop laughing. And I think that's just... 
again, it's just very human. Um, mm. I think unless you've not got a sense of humour, mm. then, yeah, but if you've not got a sense of humour, why are you interested in wrestling? I think it brings an authenticity to Jean's character as well. That, like, you know, that you, you always get the sense that, like, you're not kind of just performing comedy because that's what you think you should do, or like, because you just want to really entertain everyone. Like, you're just like laughing, and I think that that you know, we often talk about authenticity in wrestling, and and um, and actually, some you know, all all the best wrestling to me has an authenticity about it that can of course take different angles and uh, depending on the characters and stuff but but because I am thoroughly convinced that Gene finds himself hilarious um all the time and and so I find Gene hilarious as well because we're all laughing together whereas I think if you were like kind of clearly performing that hilarity um as opposed to actually being that hilarity I'm not sure I would be as convinced by it I'm not sure I would find it as funny maybe this yeah, is this why is I hate so- Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, on the comedy wrestling stuff, um, picking up on Claire's point, when I started going to shows with Pete, who was didn't really have like a massive wrestling fandom, Pete's obviously one of the resurgence team. He said, oh, "I just don't like comedy wrestling." And I was like, "Well, it's not. It's not that you don't like comedy wrestling. It's you haven't yeah. you haven't found a funny wrestler yet. Like, <laughs> it's it's not sure. comedy. You know." Does that? I think that sort of speaks to what Claire was yeah, saying. Yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah, I, I think my um, sorry, I'm just grabbing my dinner. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for me, comedy is it's difficult. It's not for everyone. There are a lot of wrestlers who try to go out there and be funny, but they they get the giggles because of their popularity, and people can see they're trying to be funny. Uh, that bothers me a bit, but for me, I despise being put in a match with another comedy wrestler and the promoter says go out there be funny because there is nothing worse for me than being told I have to be funny because Mm. as soon as that happens my mind goes blank if I am forced to have a good time I am not gonna have a good time and I'll find it very difficult and so if I'm in a mood backstage like if I'm in a grumpy day because we all get grumpy sometimes but like if I'm having a grumpy day and I'm asked to be funny, you're going to get pretend gene money out there. And it's not until I start enjoying myself backstage that we come up with absolutely anything. And as soon as I get one idea, that spurs my, you know, that happiness and that comedy inside me. And then ideas can come more fluidly. Like mm-hmm. my second to last match before lockdown was me v Rishi Ghosh. Uh, another wrestler who is predominantly comedy. The fact is, Rishi can go. Rishi is very good at what he does. Uh, I'd never worked him before, and we had the you know instruction do a comedy match, and oh, I was so grumpy. I was so miserable. Here's a guy I've never worked before, um, and I'm being told to be funny with him. I, I, my comedy is mainly reaction based. My comedy is things I say rather than things I do. I yeah. apologize. Um, yeah, no, I remember um, having a similar conversation with um, with Cara Noir. Um, he, I think he was asked to mat- to wrestle a match with um, Visage, and they were given, you know, they, I think he was saying that it was very clear together that they were the, the promoter or the audience were going to expect some of the sort of more um, the, some of the some of the spots that those two characters are known for. And Cara Noir said to straight away to to Visage. 
we're not doing any of that. We're just going to go out there and absolutely kick to to you know kick the living hell out of each other and give them a really stiff, you know, strong, almost strong style match, just to completely upset expectations. And he said it was a great match. So I think yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting that. And, and this actually would be the question is how often do you think you have to take control of your character from promoters? Like how often do you have to kind of maybe think, well, this I've been asked to do this or I can see why they've put me in this situation, but I, I need, I know that I need to do something different to, in order to turn that situation around for the team money character. Is that something that's so for, happened, you know? Yeah, 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 of course it is. So like, fortunately I get to work with them. Um a lot of promoters who are really good and they'll just say, go out there and do your thing. And I can do my thing. That's, that's fine. Um, there are other times where people ask me to do something different. Um, and I will talk with my opponent. I'll, I'll, I'll see what they do. And because at the end of the day, if I'm not hundred percent being percent being my character, What's there to say that my opponent isn't being theirs? I want them to be the best so that I can also be the best in that match. Um, we, you know, we both need to be doing what we do as who we are. And if we're doing something else, we're putting in a subpar performance. And then it's just a case of saying to the promoter, I'm happy to do that. Absolutely. But, and then saying something else. And so long as it's not going to disrupt anything, so long as it's not going to add any time to the match, most people are very receptive to it. Now, there have been times in the past where I have done things, promoters have asked me to, I've argued against it, and they've made me do it anyway, and the match has gone to shit. I'm not saying I know better. I'm just saying I know me, and I know what I can get reactions from, and I'm, I am happy to take on things and be proven wrong all of the time. I think being proven wrong is one of the greatest things we can do in this world because we learn. But when someone tries to dictate what your character does... Um, if unless I'm in like a long-term storyline, then you know it can make sense. I I know a thousand different ways why Gene Money would s suddenly become a villain. Mm. Yeah, I've got yeah. But if if one promotion said, "All right, you're now a bad guy," I'd be like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think I am. Um, yeah, I'd be I mean, I'd be interested. It's actually something I was thinking about as I was watching these matches. Was like, what would be what would be the possibility for turning gene was my was my was my thinking um uh, and I, and because because for me gene is just intrinsically a face like uh, and and is and you know we laugh with you and we uh celebrate with you and you know you can see that at the end of the that resurgence match with Brooks, like everyone got to their feet, were absolutely made up, even though they liked Brooks. It wasn't that they didn't like Brooks necessarily, even though like us was cheating and stuff like that. There was, you know, it was two wrestlers that they really liked kind of fighting up against each other. But even so, like we really, really wanted Gene to win. And, and so I, after watching these matches, I was like, I wonder if there's any scope for Gene ever turning. And I, I couldn't see it, I have to say, but maybe there is, maybe I'm just not seeing it. But like, it feels like such a, kind of a, a warm and uh, character that I, I just naturally adhere to. So I can't, I, I, I couldn't imagine it, but maybe you have imagined it. <laughs> I have. Oh, like I say, I've got a thousand ways. And I'd tell you some now that would make sense in regards to storytelling. Um, um, uh, I think like, even if you look in real life right now, I mean, this probably won't happen anywhere for the next year or so, like even maybe longer. I don't know. I don't know when I'd be a villain or why. 
I got like I said, a thousand reasons. Maybe like right now, as a performer, 2020 was supposed to be my year. Technically, mm-hmm. uh, the fact is, I am in my 30s now. Uh, I've only just got my ass in gear. Um, opportunities aren't coming for me that very fast. Like now, they're not. Especially like with the super strong style tournament, I was supposed to be a part of. Um, that was taken away from me. Um, I was supposed to have Chris's la- Chris Brooks's last ever match at uh, Progress uh, back in February, but that got pulled away from me. We were essentially just going to do the exact same match we had at Resurgence because it was an absolute banger. It was. Um, but it got taken away. And I think the fact with Gene is he's always that, always the bridesmaid. When he has momentum, something always seems to stop him. Unfortunately, this time it's a pandemic and I completely get it. But I think Gene can see young people moving up, like uh, Ethan Allen's like, he's what, 18? Yeah, a kid like us too, you Joe Nelson's like, these are all real young guys and they're killing it on the scene. The fact is Gene's almost twice their age. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm 31, but um, it's like Gene knows he'll need to take it seriously at some point and maybe, maybe that'll be his way. Like there are, yeah, I can see like, that. I, I can see that now. When I used to, I used to exactly. Like that, it's, like, it's, oh, it's, yeah, cool. <laughs> the fact about Gene Money is he's incredibly, you know, he thinks he's funny and he loves a laugh. But like I say, he's a massive tryhard. He's completely insecure as a character. I think the whole story of Gene at Resurgence was he has this insecurity that a lot of people do where he feels like he's not good enough. And that's why he wanted to defend the championship against the best people he could. That's why he had Rampage. That's why he had Brooks. Um, and yeah, he's, it's that level of insecurity that's going to drive him where, you know, he's got that clock ticking in his head where he's like, if I don't do something now, when will it ever come? Like as a performer, I've never had a sniff of a, like a, a tryout or anything like that. Um, as you, like, I'm working towards making wrestling my career. I want to be able to provide for my family and, and make this a career. But those opportunities don't come to me. So I can translate that into Gene. Maybe Gene wants to get noticed. Maybe Gene needs to do something that's maybe he knows what he's been doing for the last however many years hasn't been working. So he needs to change things. Like, there are there are a lot of natural ways Gene could become yeah. a villain um, because. There are a lot of natural ways anybody can become a villain. There's, you know, it's the, it's, you know, the movie falling down. Like anyone can have so many bad things happen that they snap. Um, it's not even a snap. It can be a tactical decision. Um, I wonder uh, if, um, sorry, um, just thinking with a view to, with not a huge amount of time left, but also picking up on that and tying it into maybe a conclusion. I wonder whether there was something in the match with Charlie Evans that you finished resurgence um, with just before lockdown, because there was that show. I think at the start of that match, the crowd were pretty much 50, 50, if not, maybe slightly your, your side, but actually over the course of the match that did change. It audibly changed throughout the audience to the point where by the time you got to the back end of the match, the majority were behind Charlie and they and they were anticipating and and I think expecting or hoping at least for for an Evans talk a little bit about you know there there were elements of you playing a heel in that match some of the strikes to to the face and things like that so I wonder if you could just talk into that match a little bit and from that kind of yeah sure 
so with I, I think that was a sign that we've done our job right, the fact that we were able to turn that tie because if you notice, like other than the punches, I I don't think those punches would have had um as much um like talk about them if I was in there with a rampage or a brook, someone who was taller than me, like stature wise. But because mm. Chevs is shorter than me, um intergender gets thrown around a lot, but you know, I'd wrestle Chevs any day of the week. She's a phenomenal talent. Um and the fact is, yes, I am a large man and if I was to punch her in the face dead on, like regardless if she was male or female, that guy would go down. So a punch to the face of Paul Wag is going to gain anyone's sympathy if they can come back from it. Um, and yeah, I think because Gene had that kind of established nature that we talked about, that he was still the underdog, um, despite being the champion, despite having all of these defences. Um, but he tapped out in the match before it against Chess. It didn't count. Story-wise, mm-hmm. like, it, was, it, was, it was after the bell and things like that, but Gene tapped out. He's now got something to prove and yet doesn't have to fight up. So that is Gene on – I wouldn't call it heelish. I'd call it more aggressive. Um, there's nothing I did technically in that match that I wouldn't do in any match with a bit more flavor, a bit more hip-wiggling, a bit more comedy or anything like that. Like Gene knew that there was someone out there who could make him tap and he didn't want that to happen. And the easiest way to knock someone out is just a big old punch to the face. Uh, so – you know, again, he's insecure. He, he, if he, if he's, uh, you know, if he's not allowed to have fun because he's not allowing himself to have fun because he's scared if he has fun, he's going to lose in this situation. He has to turn up that intensity. And maybe that is just Gene with the fun dialed down. Maybe he mm. is just a, an aggressive man. And again, insecure. And, yeah, yeah, I wonder... Um... I think that what just your description of that process and then also thinking back through that match, I wonder whether you think that people maybe that are fresh to wrestling or maybe that have watched wrestling but as a you know as a child or something like that, do they maybe do, do people appreciate how how much how many how many different kind of twists and turns and how much kind of nuance there can be to a wrestling match? Because that um, match had so many different layers to it, really, just in the way you're describing it. I don't enjoy watching myself back that much, but I really enjoyed watching that match back because, yeah, we told a really nice little story there. And it was established from, like, her winning the Iron Woman and the match before with Shikara and Brooks. Um, and it, yeah, it had uh, had a lot of really nice moments in there. And I think you could hear from the audience that if they didn't pick up on all of them, everyone picked up on everyone individually. I don't think there was a twist in there that no one got or a turn in there that mm. no one appreciated. I think everyone at some point understood what was in there, but um, yeah, I, I, I never really thought about it like that. Um, I, again, much like me enjoying my own comedy, making myself giggle, I enjoy the stories I, I tell. And again, mm. I got to watch it back and I enjoyed it. And But I'm only thinking about me there. Like, the fans got it because the fans knew they were there for a fight. The fans knew they were there to watch this mm. and potentially see a new champion. And they knew it was, you know, what the odds were, what was at stake. Gene had never been pinned or submitted before, apart from the, you know, show before, but it didn't count. 
Chevs has been on a roll, but you know, momentum's got to stop somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I think. I wonder, um, like maybe Claire, if you're as, as someone who we deliberately don't give a huge amount of information to when you're on commentary, <laughs> watching a match like the match with uh, with Gene and Evans, and even the Brooks Gene match as well, are you? Does this sort of because um, you're there to sort of interpret what? what Gene and, and, Chet and Evans are doing. And you picked up on a lot of those subtleties on commentary. So I wonder what, what your kind of experience was with that match and what you're kind of looking for. And, and um, do you kind of pick up on when you see those cues, you know, do they... I'm, I'm yeah, I thought, think but, so. Yeah, I think in that, that match, the cues were like, I would say obvious, but I mean that in a really good way. Like I really, I, you could really feel them. And, and so you could, um, you know, the the... I think I think Joe and I on commentary were particularly kind of pointing. Oh, this is slightly different gene from what we've seen before. Like, there's this sense all the way. Like, there's an aggression here, and I think that was what that was the story. That like, it, rather than like, it was heelish. It was more just like, wow, these two are really going for it, and it's really aggressive. And you and and so for me, it felt like a very a very um, uh, a very fighty fight <laughs> if that's not a rubbishy sentence like um, no just, I get it, that and it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's nice to see Gene in those situations because yeah. usually that isn't expected from him he's not the fighty fight person he's um yeah exactly you know, shits I, I, and giggles yeah so 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 I think that was what you know it felt like a dim for me it felt like a different atmosphere and that's what I think you could pick up on and and yeah. I think that's what the crowd picked up on as well like there was there was a it wasn't just sort of a, a, the the change was yeah I was the change was around the atmosphere it was around the actual atmosphere of the match it felt different from the previous matches that Gene had had it felt um it felt really serious quite quickly and um and, and so you really got, yeah, you you got you got a sense of the importance of it. I think all the way through, like whenever like whenever we talk about yeah, Gene and the true. title, I think there's that sense all the way through that we're saying, you know, this means the world to this guy. Like we we know how much this title means to him, and like and I think in that match with Charlie Evans, it really it came out in a kind of like we're gonna have to go to war here because yeah. we're you know we really we have to we have to kind of fight we have to fight this through. Um, because it really does mean the world to us. I know, and, and for me, there was lots of kind of lovely, kind of subtle moments, and, and not so subtle moments where you could really feel that uh, kind of an embodied sense, like in a properly embodied sense. Like when those punches were thrown, you really felt them, and you were like, "Wow, like this is like this this has mm. some real meaning behind it." So, um, so yeah, I think in that match, like we we kind of without really, as you say, Sam, like. Like we we there's lots of things that Joe and I know very little about. We kind of like we quite like it that way, mainly because I, I, <laughs> I you know as not a trained commentator in any way of, at all. I just like calling it as a fan <laughs> because that's all I can do. Like it's all like like it's all I've got. All I've got is like wow, that was cool. Uh, so um, so that's how, <laughs> so that's how I call it. So so I, I, I and for me that that match just had a totally kind of changed atmosphere, which I think really really worked for it. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Like, I think the thing with Gene is, I'm not sure if it came across, but in my head, Gene was that champion who said, basically, if someone can beat him for this championship, then they deserved it more than he did. Yeah. He was honest like that. He knew he's mortal. He knows that, you know, maybe not everyone sees him as the champion, and, but he wants to prove that he deserves this. And if he doesn't, then he's, he's happy to lose the championship because he knows he never deserved it properly. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I think that's what happened with the match with. Uh, sorry, I'm just putting a pair of shorts on. Um, I think that's what happened with the match with Chevs that uh, uh, that he was um, he'd been proven that he almost didn't deserve this the month before when he lost against uh, well when he won but tapped out uh, against Chevs and Brooks. Um, there's a subtle inkling in his mind that this can be taken away from him. And maybe mm. this one person deserves it more than him. And I think he yeah. said it out loud so much to himself that, you know, yeah, I want to, you know, if anyone can beat me, then they deserve this. But it had yeah. never actually happened. It had never come into reality until the January thing. So he's got to be more aggressive because he's realized what he's got might not be mm. enough. And the fact is, you, like you said, the championship meant the world to him. And mm. he's not willing to let go yet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think we're kind of we're at a at a time time limit here. I think. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna shoot soon. <laughs> we didn't predict that uh, this would be the eve of lockdown when we <laughs> made this date to arrange this conversation. But <laughs> yeah, I have my last ever gym session. I'm gonna hit my new PB on bench today. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I think um, there's a. I've been watching quite a lot of MasterChef recently, and there's a, a Greg Wallace quote along the lines of. Um, I've lost some weight. It's time to get fat again, and I kind of, I kind of feel like that's going to sum up sum up my lockdown too. Well, twenty twenty one has got some has got some uh, big moments in store for me and Jean. Um, so I wish I could give myself the ability to get fat right now. Like my my aim in wrestling is to earn enough money that I can retire or take a managerial role or an agenting role, and then just eat myself to death. Um, because I love food so much um, I, I love cooking I love eating I love eating other people's cooking um, yeah yeah it's um, and yeah but I can't allow myself to do that until I've got yeah. some financial stability via my my craft one one really final quick question um, go for it first match back who's your yeah. ideal opponent if you could pick anyone I think I actually know who my first match back is, so this has skewed it. But if I was to wrestle anyone, um, you know, I would love to wrestle Brooks again. It's a really cheap cop out answer, but we never got our um, we never got our send off match before he went to Japan one on one. Well, I, I wrestled him as a clown, I guess, and we fought in the streets. So that was fun. Um, but he's been wrestling on the reg out in Japan. And I have been training, constantly training, with just just an itch to larry at something. And I would love to be in the opportunity to say, oh, because it's that divide. Like I've not been wrestling, so it's Rocky just, Four, right? It goes like it's, ro it's that, Rocky Four. It's like Rocky versus what's this? Like the the Russian guy. Like he's been training out there and being like, and you're like. You know, doing doing kind of kind of hitting things in your garage and stuff like that. It's a good it's a good story. I like it. Absolutely, and like <laughs> I'd love to even from like a personal level, not just a storyline level. I would love to see how far he's gone and how far I've receded because of lockdown in the ring. Um, just so it's that measuring stick, and I can learn. You know, try and learn what he's learned out there, and at the same time. I'd be able to throw in my new stuff. Right now, I feel like a completely different wrestler to who I was six months ago. Um, I have changed my style. I have changed my look. I have changed 
the way I do things, the way I move is completely different. I think people are genuinely going to be quite shocked and surprised in a positive way when they see the new Gene Money in the ring because, yeah, you know, the big boy pants and all that is still going to be there, but I'm a different performer now and I am genuinely excited to show the world that. Awesome. That that sounds fascinating and I would love to be there when that first match comes back. So hopefully it's not going to be too long. Our fingers crossed, eh? Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, well, it was lovely chatting to you this evening. Yeah, you, you um, guys Some as really well. interesting stuff. Yeah, great to chat to you. Look forward to catch you soon. Yeah. yeah. Have a good have a good evening, guys. Pleasure seeing you. Yeah, we yeah, will. You too. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. See ya. How do I leave this thing? There we go. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Should totally leave that bit at the end on. <laughs> yeah, that's not as good as Shik- not as good as Shikara's last time, but not quite but you, but you do get in that one you did get Jean making making dinner and putting on shorts so you know that was those yeah. are two things we've not had before so that's quite yeah. exciting grappling arts first <laughs>